What's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the right health and fitness information that is both practical, actionable, and evidence-based. This is season two of the podcast, and we are so excited. We're going to have a little less interviewing. We're going to do some more topic-based discussions with myself and some of the made-to-move physical therapy and performance team. Maybe have some guest hosts out there. We are so excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. If you have any questions for me or the crew, just search Healthy Charleston on Instagram or you can reach out to us directly at made to move pt.com that is the number two thanks so much see you soon welcome back here to healthy charleston podcast uh yours truly dane gifford i'm here with dr nate dr matt uh and you know last time that we were all together we talked about youth athletes, weight training for youth athletes, dispelling myths, um, you know, what did we say? Stunts your growth, Stunts right? your growth, Stunts your growth. Yeah, yeah, so don't Never do make kids lift weights. Right. It's the worst possible thing for them. Absolutely a no-go. Uh, so if you haven't <clears throat> listened to that one, make sure you go back and, and listen to that episode. Uh, a lot of good nuggets there. Uh, Nate, Dr. Nate, diving into the research um, surrounding weight training for youth athletes. Today, I just wanted to kind of come back together and take it one step further and talk about injuries. We know that youth athletes are going to have injuries. It's going to happen. How do we train around them? What is, you know, what's the best way to kind of attack it from the, from the time that it starts to, you know, recovery or rehab and then progressing back to your sport and, and back to playing time? Because um, we know it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What's the best way to kind of kick it off? So I would I would say kicking it off. Um, it's not really physiologically. It shouldn't be that different from adults, right? Like the kids are going to respond to training generally the same. Um, if they have an injury, we're going to, you know, enter, enter into the, we're going to introduce things in a non-threatening manner. We're going to slowly progress load over time, strengthen the tissues involved, um, change their mechanics if their mechanics are contributing to the move to the pain like creating issues with the movement um, improve efficiency that kind of stuff uh, the one probably only really big difference I can think of is that kids in sports are being coached by adults and they're doing what they're told to do and they are less likely to make decisions on their own in regards to that so if they're if they're driven by their coach telling them like you need to do this then that then you're going to need to go maybe more through the coaches or like build a relationship with them and the children um, and the parents involved. So yeah, I think that multidisciplinary approach is probably the, is probably best. Even um, coaches, doctors, athletic trainers, even through high school being able to have that relationship with other team members is going to make that real rehab process huge, especially if they have personal trainers or uh, other strength and mission coaches. And trying not to like overstep your bound like boundaries of PT and be like, okay, I'm gonna do my PT stuff and I'll I'll talk with the athletic trainer, I'll talk with the strength coach and kind of create an optimal plan for you. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. The um so 
I think uh, that the what did you call it multidisciplinary approach. Multidisciplinary. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super important to have um, all people involved, from parents to to the coaches to the trainers um, to the athletes themselves. And you know, I think that's one that gets overlooked a lot. Is like, what does the athlete want? Like, you know, um, I know that when I was in school and really looking into the youth athlete uh, world, like long-term athletic development, like injuries play such a huge role. You take a kid, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, in terms of where they play on the team, and you, if they get injured and they've got to sit out, like it, it messes with them a lot, like emotionally, physically, like everything. If they can't participate in practice, if they can't participate in the games, if they don't have a job to do now, like on the sidelines, like it, it really does kind of takes them out of the game. It takes them out of their circle of friends. And, you know, so they should be involved in every part of the rehab process. What is it that they want out of it? Yeah. And, you know, then also trying to give them stuff to work on and still continue to progress until they're back to 100%. Yeah, I know when, like, I, not that I played any cool sports, I ran cross country and track. I you just know, can't little, believe you ran. Like, yeah, a little nerdy 115-pound-year-old uh, uh, I can't get over 150. Were you really 150? 15. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say, like, no, I was <laughs> tiny. Uh, yeah, there's pictures, but um, like I was, I got injured a few times, like probably herniated a disc at one point uh, running track, and then um, had like patellar tendinopathy for an entire season of cross country, and mm. uh, like they sideline you, and like the the at least in where I was, the I was basically forgotten about, and it's like, hey, do you want to do this, and like especially when my back and like I had sciatica down my leg could barely walk kind of thing. It was, I basically skipped practice for two weeks cause I couldn't do anything. And the coach came up to me and was like, all right, well, we're going to have to kick you out for the season. And it was like, what? Like that. And so basically forced myself back in and that was probably not the best for long-term recovery. Right. The athletic no. trainer at my school told me you're too young to hurt your back. You're basically told what? Me I was making it up. Yeah. Like could barely oh walk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Bro. So, you know, it's, I think a big thing too with kids is like just believing them, right? Like some, yeah, some kids might make up pain because they don't want to do the sport, in which case you should probably be asking like, why are we forcing them to do this anyway? Some adults are going to do that same thing. It's not necessarily different. Just like believing your patient and um, finding things for them to do that isn't them just like sitting on the sidelines being bored, right? Yeah. Like there's always something to train around. You can always improve something like, part of your game. Like yeah, keep them as part of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's a team sport. Right. Pain is oftentimes real. It's yeah. just what is the mechanism, right? We yeah. talk about that a lot in different different aspects of what we do. But believe them, listen to them, get it evaluated, and then make a decision and go from there. Mm. Yeah. And even just like when you talk to when you talk to a youth athlete, talking to them and not talking to the parents. I think it's an easy thing as clinicians, because sometimes the kids look there and they're just like, I don't know, but like yeah. asking them the questions first instead of asking the parents which is easier to do because parents will probably answer for them yeah they do but even just just wait like wait i'm asking i'm asking your, your kid yeah it's right. huge yeah 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 it's definitely need their input right yeah, yeah. you're like the, it's their uh, body you're like the teenage girl ac alter expert i am right now i guess so. all of your patients <laughs> got like eight of them um, um yeah i mean i yeah. think that's a good segue into like kind of what i thought we would do is maybe like a little bit of like a uh, impromptu case studies, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned ACLs, meniscus. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of stuff going on with um, with our kids right now, and, and kids in the past. Let's just go top down. Um, recently, Nate, you've been working with somebody um, without naming names, like shoulder wise um, swimming. 
Like, mm -hmm. let's just break it down. Like, this athlete is a competitive swimmer. Um, we've got a shoulder issue. Like, what is the right course of action for this athlete um, to A, continue their sport, B, not fall off, but C, not just quit doing anything either? <laughs> so we touched on this last week. I'm gonna, I already made all the gymnasts angry at me. Um, so mm -hmm. here we go with the swimmers. Uh, but th th this was purely an issue of year-round swimming with no breaks. You know, like let's do let's do school swimming, let's do club swimming, let's do swimming in the off season. Gosh. And it's just like there there's only you know there's there's a certain amount of stress you're gonna be able to recover from, and most people need a break from that. Professional athletes in every sport take an off season. Like professional CrossFit Games athletes take like a month, two months off after the CrossFit Games and don't mm -hmm. do CrossFit. They do other things. Mm -hmm. um, baseball NFL all of them like they take time off from their sport and just because you're 12 13 years old doesn't mean you can't do that right yeah so, isn't, isn't um, swimming a low impact yeah it was just repetitive <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know man uh, I've swam I could barely make it across the pool <laughs> panic, panic every time <laughs> um yeah but it is I mean like that yeah. motion is just repetitive I mean it's 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 yeah and so like we need the we need the proper uh, base in order to build off that right so like muscles have to be strong tissues and ligaments have to be strong and if they can't deal with the capacity of the sport things are going to become irritated you're going to develop pain and it's going to not go away if you don't if it's a year-round thing that might not ever resolve right and so then injury and pain are going to sideline progress like you're not going to progress fast if at all and it's just yeah. going to be frustrating the whole time you're going to burn out on your sport and then we're going to be sedentary when you once you hit like 21 22 years old um <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's lead to a lifetime of yeah. just trouble, right? So, and that's the importance of having a. And, oh man, sorry. that, one, that one <laughs> <Yeah>. got dark. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're going all the way. Spirals, a spiral. <laughs> oh man, yeah, unless you lose your sport. So. Oh, but just the importance of having strength and conditioning as part of your program, regardless of the yeah. sport, whether it's in the water, whether it's running, whether it is mm -hmm. football, regardless of just that is the whole purpose is to build tissue capacity. And sometimes when we look at strength training with youth athletes too, depending on where they're at, a lot of their strength coaches want, are trying to push them to do one rep maxes or like to get better at lifting weights when really the whole purpose is to build tissue capacity so they can perform better in their actual sporting activity. Yeah. Right? I right. think that's a yeah. huge And that's part. a really good, so underdosing and overdosing too, right? So like most swim teams at this point probably do dry land training where they call like, let's, let's do some like strength, quote unquote strength training. It's the same issue with with kids strength training versus like physical therapy in most places that they're going to underdose the strength training. They're not providing the right stimulus to actually improve tissue quality, right? If you can if you can overhead press a five pound dumbbell hmm. fifty times and your coach is having to do three sets of ten, that does nothing. Like that right. is you might as well just do nothing because you're not getting a stimulus there. Still, still got to follow strength and conditioning principles. It's got to be. It's got to be difficult. You have to challenge the tissue in order to create adaptation. Um, or on the other hand, if, like you're saying, like one or at max, like if you're not a weightlifter, powerlifter, strongman, maybe CrossFitter, like does it matter? Like do we mm -hmm. care? It's exciting. Yeah. Maybe psychologically it's, cool. it's motivating, yeah. but um, like providing the right stimulus to create adaptation versus versus just doing it for no real reason. Right. Yeah. I always love that. Like strength is never a weakness, you know, mm -hmm. like as long as you like, if you're injured or whatever off season, like wherever you're at, like as long as you can try to contribute to building strength, like that, that building of strength is never going to be a, a setback or like a take away from your sport. Now, 
if you get too bulky, right? You lift too much weight, you get too many muscles over time. It does hinder some sports, right? But yeah, that's endurance. very difficult to yeah. do. Right. And chances are, uh, if you're an endurance athlete and that's the type of sport that's going to be hindered, you're not going to put in the time and effort to get bulky anyway. And so it's it's not even a real risk. Yeah. Um, you There's know, a uh, oh man. I, I wonder if we could find the video. Do you do you guys know who Kevin Laroni is? Kevin Laroni, not Laroni. He was a Laroni. Uh, I don't know. So he was like he was a bodybuilder in the early two thousands, I think, and just like super genetically gifted. Um, and he uh, he actually made a comeback. I think like five. It's been a while now. I'm I'm old, but like five six years ago, he made a comeback when he was older. He basically stopped bodybuilding, looked like just like skinny fat, and came back and um, at like forty something years old, made it back to the Olympia. Oh wow. Kind of cool. wow. Um, but he uh there's a video of him sprinting like again he he challenged um i think he like might have challenged like one of the top sprinters i can't remember who like one of those canadian sprinters and uh nobody would sprint against him but i think the 10th best best sprinter in the world in the olympics that year and i'm gonna i'm screwing all this up really (laughs) bad but we can find the video so um uh, he sprinted against him and, like the sprinter won but it was close and like Kevin Lebroni was like 230 pounds yeah. at 40 something years old no no this was when he was younger oh, oh yeah, yeah. Gosh. Uh, but he was like he's not a sprinter he's a giant bodybuilder like quote unquote too bulky and almost beat this guy right. I'm, uh, yeah yeah No, no, I think, um, you know, bringing it back to the swimming aspect and the swimmers, specifically with the shoulder, we talked about year-round training, okay, that's fine, but when you have an injury, like, what what are we doing with that individual? A, inside of the rehab setting and even their home exercise is, like, they've got to build greater tissue capacity within that shoulder, right? We've got to get the shoulder stronger, we've got to make sure that that shoulder is capable of handling the demands that that individual is asking of it in their swimming but then to go beyond that like that's the strength and conditioning portion right and the rehab portion but keeping them then involved with sport like they don't necessarily need to stop like they can use the kickboard and still be in the pool going back and forth I think one misconception is for a lot of youth athletes is that if they get injured and they have to take you know one week and not get in the pool, that they're gonna fall off, right? That they're that they're conditioning or whatever is gonna go down the tubes. And we know that that's just not the case, right? It takes a certain amount of time to have that reduction in, in, in where you are. Yeah. And the reduction that you might have from taking that one to two weeks, you know, reduced volume of swimming um, is gonna be probably negated or offset by the improvements you're gonna make by increasing the strength or within that tissue, mm-hmm. right? Like increasing the capacity. So um, I think we see that in every sport. If you're talking about runners, right? We've got cross-country runners that we work with. They don't wanna take the time off of running because they think that automatically they're gonna drop down in their VO2 or like whatever it is that they think mm-hmm. in their head or their coaches or their family members are telling them when it's really not the case. Like, hey, Put in a little bit extra time and effort towards rehab, strength building, and and fixing your weaknesses. Yeah, there's always alternative ways of improving cardio. Just like there's always an alternative ways of improving strength or something, you know. And there's there's always workarounds and like you know, running is a skill. You have to get good at that skill specifically, but the actual cardiovascular capacity that goes into running you can improve in other ways while you're hurt if you can't run so it's like you might drop off for a race or two but once you like regain mm-hmm. that skill once you get that neural learning adaptation back then you'll be totally fine that'll happen really really quick if your cardiovascular capacity is still high yeah absolutely so, yeah also, this... uh, yeah no 
It was Dwayne Chambers, everyone. Dwayne Chambers versus Kevin LeBroni. He was a British sprinter. There you yeah. go. Okay. Dwayne Chambers. Dwayne Chambers. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah the skill, in a million years, I would have got that yeah. The skill aspect of things can be lost in a, in a few days because it is like motor learning, like he was saying, of like like a snatch. Let's just use snatch because that's, that's what, I, what I do. But like if you take a week off of snatching and you're on vacation, you come back, it's going to feel a little weird when you go back to snatching. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like a golf swing. If you take a long time off golf, it's probably going to feel weird. If you're used to golfing every day or used to golfing multiple times a week right. and you take that off, coming back, it's going to be weird. Uh, aerobic. Sure, free throws. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's still a skill. Aerobic never, conditioning. I never not felt weird snatching. So. <laughs> yeah, aerobic conditioning is a little bit longer, so it's like I want to say it's like a <laughs> one to two weeks or so, and then you'll start noticing some decreases in aerobic performance, and then strength itself. You can go longer. There's some studies to show you can go longer than two weeks without training in the gym and still have very little loss of strength. But by that same token, strength training is the hardest to get. Because it takes the longest to obtain, and it also takes it keep it stays the longest. Aerobic capacity, aerobic conditioning, comes back relatively fast if you train it appropriately. Mm-hmm. And then skill. I mean, if done properly, you can essentially do that a motor learning task repeatedly, day in day out. If the load and the like demand or like the the total volume that you're doing is is low enough, so it's not a huge deal. If you're taking time off and focusing on strength, because again, that's the longest, take the longest time to build. Right. And like Nate said, there's multiple ways. So if you are a runner mm-hmm. and you have a lower body injury or something that's going on that doesn't allow you to run, there are other ways that we can continue to work on maintaining a certain level of aerobic capacity, right? Like, yeah. And then when we really get into that, depending on the duration of time, that decrease in aerobic capacity is is small and it does come yeah. back like it's you know as long as again as long as you don't just like sink into like a depressed state where it's like okay well i can't play um you know the the doctor says no activity or no no weight bearing on this limb so i guess for the next six weeks i'm just going to sit on the couch and play video games like that in is going to cause an impact mm-hmm. but if we can get immediately into a rehab setting or into the gym and work on upper body strength while rehab in the lower if i can get into a cardio program that doesn't involve that affected limb or that affected whatever we can maintain a certain baseline and and you know recover faster potentially sure. even and you can even work on parts of skill yeah through a few ways one of like just visualization or like Essentially, if, if, like for me, when I first learned how to snatch, which again, I'm using snatch because that's the most comfortable for me, but like I go to YouTube and I watch a bunch of people snatch. Like, and just by me watching them and it going over it in my head, I'm still improving my, my technique mm-hmm. mentally, just by mental imagery. So like, it's harder to do it with youth athletes, but if you can essentially get them, get them practicing that, like, like I want you to think about like you're actually swimming. Like I want you to get, pretend like you're in the pool, actually going through your strokes, and the more detail you can actually like be in with, right. you can actually improve technique. Yeah. It's not going to be as specific as actually doing the movement itself of like actually swimming, but you can still make technical gains and progress out of the, out of the water by just right. focusing on it. Yeah, I think if you could get, uh, going back to the gymnasts, right? If we could get mm. our injured gymnast <laughs> to spend five minutes a day visualizing her routine and everything else, um, and, and literally focused five minutes is probably enough like our attention span at that age is, is pretty uh, short and Just spending that time every day dedicating to okay. I can do this when I get back I'm, I'm going to be here and I can mm-hmm. I can accomplish this task. I think that's very important 
like it's hard though. Definitely hard. Visualization is hard for for me. It's hard for adults. Yeah. To, for kids, it's gonna be even harder. But yeah. it's not a bad thing to start learning at an early age. And it doesn't come easy. Like the first day that you do it versus week four that you do it. Week four is gonna be a heck of a lot easier, even for that kid. It's just gotta be like, hey, let's set a timer and just do it. It's five minutes. That you're not gonna lose five minutes of your day. And you know that is hard to educate a kid too. But I think that if they are dedicated to their sport and you frame it around that that's where you can get them, right? They don't want to lose what they've got. Mm-hmm. It's important to them, and you just got to play off of their desire to, to be there. So what about, we talked shoulder from a swimmer. I mean, what, what else have we had recently? Like, what kind of athletes and what kind of injuries have we seen? Like eight ACLs. And female, 16-year-old Female girls. knee pain, I would just say. Some ACL, some not, but yeah. a big part of this notice is just global lower extremity weakness. So weakness in the hips, weakness in the legs, weakness in the ankles. Mainly hips. Hips are like are, are, are the big one, and most of that is just because they still don't know how to move necessarily, and they haven't loaded a lot of tissue. So like a lot of them, when you get them, hey, show me a squat. It's like whoa, what what is that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's all over. But like they just haven't ingrained enough movement patterns or enough repetitions to where they feel comfortable doing these movement patterns. But then when you go and put them in a sporting activity, they go right to the sport, but they still haven't developed a good foundational base of movement and like right. being able to pick something up off the ground being able to carry something being right. able to run like even the skill of running you can tell is a little behind in a lot of these yeah. athletes right and that's what the entire other episode was kind of about right yeah. like building that base like you have to have strength and conditioning within your program as a youth athlete in order to create that base of athletic movement to create that base of maybe potentially reducing injury risk it's always going to be a risk but um and now they are playing their sport, they are getting injured, they're having knee pain or they're tearing ACLs. And like, you know, how do we come, like, what do we do now in that situation? Like they've got knee pain, where do we start? Like I'm, I'm a youth athlete, I'm a girl playing soccer. Like, yeah. what do I do? It's the yeah. same thing I mean, as like you said, of, of yeah. they're the same as, they're gonna respond very similar as an adult. Like you're gonna regress them away from things that really bother them in the moment and progress them back to the level of activity that they were doing but while they're doing that, you sprinkle in the, the, the movement patterns or you sprinkle in the areas of weakness that they have. So it's like if it is the hips or if they don't know how to squat, they don't know how to hinge, mm-hmm. that strength and conditioning principles are applied to their rehab. So when they return to sport, they're now much better movers. They're much better. Their strength's better. And they're just going to be overall athletes. So like really, it's not much different than a strength and conditioning program. Like mm-hmm. they're, to me, they're identical of mm-hmm. like what we do is just they're gonna be regressed and progressed, which means essentially taken away from things or progressed up to doing more things a little bit slower than those who are not dealing with pain or discomfort. But the protocols and like the, this is, this is my, this is how, I, how I work with people, but essentially the protocols for strength and conditioning and rehab to me are very, very similar. I don't see a huge disconnect there. It's the same either. Yeah. yeah. You know? Rehab is strength and conditioning with injuries. That's, yeah. like, it really that's is. what physical therapy should be. Should be. Yeah. Should be. Yeah. Fight me. Come at me. Yeah. <laughs> I just got a text last night about SI joint dysfunction and I unloaded on a family member because I'm like, no, Perfect. it's yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> Whatever you think it is, it is not that. Yeah. You're wrong. You're dumb. Just get stronger, yeah. keep moving and move, you know, until it hurts like three or four out of 10 pain and then call it a day and start over again tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, but that's a whole different discussion. I don't want to go down that road. Oh. But, um, you know, so 
Okay, it's the same lady though. We're talking about uh, knee pain, soccer player, um, you know, or any athlete. It could be volleyball or anything else. Like, let's not go to the catastrophic ACL tear or meniscus, but like patellofemoral pain, maybe mm-hmm. just complaints of knee pain. There's a lot of things to consider. Um, you know, we talked about strength. Uh, the tissues just might be being overloaded. There's growth spurts, right? Mm-hmm. Like there can There's be some. Too. What does that look like? So, like growing pains in youth athletes. I I really never grew, so I don't have personal experience <laughs> with it. Still waiting. <laughs> yeah, still waiting. Um, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, so when you're when things are are getting all crazy and long, and like your bones are rapidly growing, if if you experience that. Um, it's, it's still the same thing, right? Like we might have to decrease load because there's other stressors going through your body right now. So things are changing rapidly and that's all stress. So like different types of stress lead to different adaptations. Um, different types of stress have different effects, but all stress kind of has similar effects at a, at a certain level, right? There's like this general adaptation syndrome. Any kind of stressor is going to start filling up this cup. And we've talked about that like probably like 20 podcasts back. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but you have this you have this cup of basically like the amount of stuff you can tolerate and as that cup slowly fills up with things it's at when it overflows you're going to have issues and any kind of stressor can go into that cup um whether that's strength training you know strength training is going to be generally good we're going to get positive adaptations but it's still a stressor and it's still Mm going to go into that cup and so if you're if your bones are rapidly elongating and you're going from like five foot six to six foot six in you know a year, I don't know how people grow. I really again. Yeah, no, I mean so, it's like no, but they um, do definitely go like yeah, six eight inches up. in a year. Know. Like it's crazy. Yeah, so like if, if that that is a stressor and that's going to fill that cup up a good amount, and other things might either need to you might need to put up less stuff in the cup, or hopefully you've built up a fairly large cup over time, or you continue to try and make that cup bigger um, by putting the right amount of stress on top of that, and that's why. Like we, we, we have all the science in the world, like not all the science, like most, there's still some questions. We have a lot of really good science and like we know the answers to many things, but strength and conditioning and rehab are still an art because it's always going to apply to individuals that have multiple factors incoming and that's, so you just have to apply it to that individual and get a feel for it. Yeah. Um, Which I think, I mean, no, I think the cup was a good, like you still have all those other stresses that we talked Mm -hmm. about at the beginning, which are now I, you know, I feel injured or whatever. And so I'm not playing. That's a stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not with my peers when I want to be. That's a stress. Maybe I am growing faster than my peers. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden as a, as a, you know, an adolescent female, I'm now taller than all the boys. And now maybe I'm even being made fun of. That's mm-hmm. a stress. My brain is used to moving like a, you know, a 20 inch long arm instead of a 26 inch long arm. And yeah. now things are, now things are getting real weird when I try and clumsy, throw. Yeah. I'm knocking things yeah. over. And those are all yeah. real stresses. Like, like, yeah. and whether they're, you know, right there in front of you and you're aware of them, or maybe they're a little bit more, you know, deeper level and you kind of aren't as aware of them, they still exist. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they still impact, uh, perception of pain and also everything, you know, the recovery. So, um, so we, we take this same person, they have the patellofemoral pain, maybe it's growth spurt, maybe it's not, maybe it's because they're playing the sport, they don't have enough strength. How do we manage that in season? Like right now she's playing, she's practicing, and she's got pain. Like how are we managing that? Like so it's not the traumatic side of things, but it's load management and also trying to get back. So most of the time, um, not always, kids are gonna be doing a sport because they actually enjoy doing it, right? And so like we wanna keep Mm -hmm. them doing it as much as they can. Um, So if they, 
you know, maybe they're still able to play games. Um, maybe that, like, if they if they do their sport once or twice a week, their pain stays at, like, a 3 to 4 out of 10, and it's manageable, and we're kind of okay with that. Um, but if they're practicing every day and playing games, the pain goes up. And, again, it's just like managing that stress, but allowing them to do, I would say especially for kids, allowing to do them to do the activities they enjoy the most as much as they can. Um, and then, like, still, like, talking through, like, you know, this amount of pain is okay if it's, if it does this, don't do this, and like these movements may not be great, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's such a delicate, again, back to the very beginning when Matt said the uh, multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. Um, you know, coaches out there, I, I remember when I was a kid, like if I didn't practice, I didn't play, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. Whether I liked to, whether I was injured, like it didn't matter. If I wasn't there to practice, then that meant I wasn't playing. Like, how do we, how do we address that? Like, Talk to the coach. I mean, that coaches are hard sometimes. Like, there are really, really good coaches and there are really bad coaches, just like any profession. Um, yeah. They're mostly ours. volunteers, though, right? Like, they're not getting paid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and I don't think so. it's like they're doing anything out of spite or out of no, uh, uh, malice. Right? A lot of times, too, coaches, like, they, they have this, you know, a little bit of a liability mindset. Like, I don't want to hurt someone. And so when someone pre presents with pain, it's like, okay, you're you're done practicing, you're done playing. Um and so just having that open line of communication with the coach, like, no, they can still do this stuff. And like, it really depends on the individual coach. Um, and then from the perspective of the kid too, like the kid's going to, an adult is an adult, right? For the most part, not mm -hmm. always, but most kids are going to listen, try and listen to whatever that adult at that time is telling them. And so if you tell them one thing and coach tells them another thing, they're going to do what you tell them to do when they see you. And they're going to do what coach tells them to do when they see coach. Right. Yeah. Um, Two high schoolers too. Same thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so just keeping that in mind and like making sure you're on the same page as whoever's in charge of them on the field. Yeah, and it's not always easy, and I'll, I'll no. be the first to admit that doctors in the traditional setting, right, your family practice doctor or your orthopedist doesn't have time to communicate with your athletic trainer, your coach, or hell, even the parents half the time, right? Like they, yeah, they they've got limited time. I think that that is a place where we can uniquely position ourselves to really try to facilitate that, you know, coach... Uh, rehab specialist, parent, and athlete relationship. Like, okay, let's all have a discussion and make sure we're on the same page, that we have a plan to go forward. Yes, they can practice, but probably only three quarters of a practice. Yes, they can play a game, but they probably need to be subbed in and out on a more regular basis. Like, there's a lot of things that can be put into place without just setting them aside, right? Mm -hmm. Play till it hurts, and then stop. Practice till it hurts, and then stop. You know, like... Yeah, and it's also probably I'm reading conscious coaching, uh, <laughs> like halfway through. So I'm kind of an expert now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's also like recognizing like your athlete and what they're what drives them and like their personality traits and things yeah. like that too, right? Like recognizing what drives this kid. If the kid, um, you know, if they if they, depending on their personality type, like an injury might really just completely crush them, or they might see it as like a challenge and push into it. Um, some of them might be really, and adults too, might be really willing to ignore pain, um, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Just really figuring out what drives them and using that to help them get back to what they want to be doing versus just yeah. one, one size fits all. And it, we, I mean, we got to look to our pros as examples. Like, I mean, they, they like just recently, and I don't know if you guys are aware, but Zion Williams, right? Number one, oh, I didn't. obviously a uh, basketball player coming out of college this year or yeah, college, yeah, going yeah. into the pros, got injured, and he's coming back now, and his team, the Pelicans, were like, you know, if he was playing full-time right now today, they could probably have a very good chance of, like, making the playoffs. 
he's back game one this last week of being back and returning coach basically limits his amount of playing time based off of the medical providers information going like look he can play he can play at a high level but he probably needs to be restricted to 35 minutes of the game and when that 35 minutes came the coach benched him and zion wasn't exactly happy about it but sometimes you've got to get in the way of either a the coach or b the player because they're going to go 100 percent. they want to win they want to get to the playoffs but take a lesson from the pros he was allowed to play he just had to have a limit to where it was like, all right, this is you, your tissue is not ready to spend ninety minutes, you know, like going mm-hmm. ham. Like it's just not the best way to do smart things. Medical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Every every CrossFitter ever is like, <laughs> can you do five squats? Yeah, that feels fine. Can you do two hundred wall balls? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, yeah. So three, two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was like, like what else did we have? We had. Uh, I mean, we had a basketball and, like, you know, ankle injury recently, like, cross-country. Um, like, pretty pretty good cross-country runners. A few of them have come in. Yeah, um, it's true. A lot of those yeah. were hip-related, right? Um, yeah, ankle, calf, rather. Um, so, I mean, that's somebody that needs to put in, like, 15 to 25 miles a week on running, like, mm-hmm. and then they are now being told what? Like, what are we telling that? Yeah, well, athlete? it hurts and they're going slow and... Like it's affecting how fast they can run and they don't want it to. So like, how do we, how do we get around this? Just come up with a comprehensive plan. And like some athletes are going to respond really well to like, okay, this is what you're doing instead. And mm-hmm. like, you're going to add this in on top of it. And here's the mm-hmm. timeline for you. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, Again, you might, yeah. you might Just change speed. You might change volume distance. Yeah. You might change, uh, you know, the frequency um, and then also adding in the additional type rehab stuff that's identified as being lacking from their previous mm-hmm. training. Like, but it's not stopping. It's not just take two weeks off, don't run for two weeks, mm-hmm. relax, take an ice bath, and then uh, get back after it. That's almost yeah, never, never going to be the answer. <laughs> yeah. And there's really two, or more, we can simplify it to two types of people. You have those that need to be pushed a little bit harder, who are avoiding because we have avoiders and we have, what's the other one? Uh, what is that? Tower endurance covers. Endurance Endurance co- Yeah, yeah. yeah. Essentially, fear avoidance. Yeah. Fear avoidance. Those are those who are scared to do more because they're scared of hurting it. And our job as a practitioner or, yeah, really a practitioner, I would say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a coach should do this, but saying, hey, it's okay to do a little bit more and like kind of urging them do another set or do some more exercises and then you have the other people who want to get back to the sport immediately and are just going going at it and you're just like you have to kind of peel those people back and be like hey your tissue is not prepared for it and like it's just like like dr nate said it's just like finding finding what drives that person and what type of person they are and like what their habits are what they're they're more inclined to do and working the opposite way of that yeah I think I just wanted to hit on one more before we close out today, and that's like the traumatic. So when you do end up having a, something that needs surgery or, you know, now we've got like an actual protocol from the doctor, like what does that look like for these youth athletes? It's I mean, certain. most of this is the same for adults too, like we said, but, you know, I think a lot of times the youth athletes probably either get a little bit more scrutiny or a little bit less. Like they, they don't yeah. get the same, you know, exact same attention. So, you yeah. know. I don't know. Surgeries are easy, man. You just make it really, really strong. Like the, 
I mean, that's everything, I guess. That's why I say to everything. So it's a really uh, not a helpful answer, I guess. Getting strong is hard. That's it, though, right? Like, you get an ACL, what do you do? Like, you you don't do things that are going to possibly retear the ACL, but you make everything really, really strong. And the faster it gets stronger, the faster they can return to sport. Um, Meniscus, like, everything is just... Squats, deadlifts. Squats, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really it. Um... If it's upper body, then same thing. Just make the area strong. Make what you can make strong, strong, and um, slowly return to sport. Add in the activities they like in a time-appropriate manner. Like, we have really good information about how fast tissues heal, how fast they recover from basically every surgery that we have. Um, and that's the that's probably the easiest possible thing is when you have a surgery. Like, we know basically exactly how fast we can go back into this and give someone a really clear timeline. Um, yeah. And having that rehab process be fun. Like, I think that's a yeah. big part of, like, Going to a place to, that does rehab where you have that one-on-one attention and like you can actually connect with that person. Because I've had experience in the past going to rehab and I was essentially, okay, do your protocol, just here's the gym. Yeah. And like there wasn't a, like yeah, I didn't have a connection. I didn't look forward to going to rehab. But if you can yeah. make that rehab process fun by even starting like incorporate something with that sport. As if they're a throwing athlete, at some point start involving something that looks a little bit like throwing because if not they're gonna get bored it's like yeah and explain, like explain to them why we're doing this too yeah. right? like I mean not not every kid needs that not every athlete needs that but a lot of people like they do it better if they know why they're doing this um, and like having a rat and that helps you too like having a rationale for for why you're having them do something instead of just like having this kind of rote memorization of a protocol in your head and, yeah you know, yeah so. and we can be guilty of putting yeah. somebody through like, okay, I like squats and deadlifts, but like, know, you know, yeah. it's, so it's like, but if that athlete or individual does not like squats or deadlifts, there's other ways to get them to get the same goal of like strengthening their lower body, mm-hmm. glutes, hips, hamstrings, quads. We just have to, we have to recognize, are they enjoying the process? Because that's, they're, they're going to be going through this process, especially with post-surgical mm-hmm. for a number of months. And there's only going to be so much time that we'll see them here in clinic. But if we're sending them home doing stuff on their own and they don't like the exercises, more than likely they're going to stop doing it at a certain point. And they're just going to be coming back and frustrated the whole process. And it's like, I want this to be fun for anybody who comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably one of the bigger things that maybe grows a practitioner is having patients come in that don't have a gym membership and don't have a barbell. And it's like, well, all right, I guess I got to figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which, you know, we're trying to solve that problem one patient at a time. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that that's all good. So, I mean, just to recap, I mean, we kind of have youth injuries, um, multidisciplinary approach is important. So having coach, trainer, rehab, professional, parent, and athlete all together on the same page, moving in the same direction. Um, then you've got, uh, inactivity is never the answer, right? So like just not doing anything is probably the worst option that you can possibly have both physically and emotionally um, for the youth athlete and then strength is never a weakness so it doesn't matter if we're talking about rehabbing the actual injury at hand it's got to build the strength and the tissue capacity there or if we're talking about working around that injury we've got to develop and build the strength and the the you know even the aerobic capacity elsewhere outside of our sport and outside of of that specific injury and then um, finding something to keep the kids involved, like yeah. you know, some way with the team, with the athletes, with you know everything, like just making sure that they're involved, that they don't lose sight of why they're there, and uh, you know that they're not taken out of the sport completely. Uh, anything else that I that I missed in the recap? No, no, that was good. 
Awesome. Well, um, obviously, if you have any questions regarding youth athletes, injuries, recovery, um, you know, we're always here to help here at Made to Move uh, with Dr. Nate and Dr. Matt. So don't hesitate to reach out and, uh, you know, answering questions is always free. So uh, thanks for listening to the Healthy Charleston podcast and uh, we'll see you here again in the future. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Healthy Charleston podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram, search Healthy Charleston, one word, like, follow, comment on today's episode. If you have any questions, comments, if you have possible guests that you want us to bring on, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, reach out there, send us a direct message. We would love some feedback. Also, if you get any extra time, head over to iTunes, give us a rating. Again, put comments there. We love your feedback. Have phenomenal.